It is Wednesday, July 14th, and you are listening to Steve Sack Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. It, it's the the heart of July, um, and yes, can you feel the heartbeat, just like Huey Lewis would would remind us? Um, we, we're going to be talking about some NBA um, finals in uh, just a couple of minutes. We've got our old friend Jeff Carnavale on, um, so we can talk about all the really amazing soccer that we've had over the last month. Um, and yeah, more than that, but lots to get to. Uh, so I have to say right off the bat, I know we're going to talk some soccer a little bit later, but I always get a little bit of depression when the Euros and the World Cup is over because like, oh, you mean there isn't an amazing game of high stakes soccer being played this afternoon? It's just Tuesday. Yes. Like, wait, we don't get to have like, um, yeah, two world powers playing against each other, two countries that really don't like each other. Uh, it's just Tuesday. Yeah. Plus, uh, Wimbledon had been going on the last two weeks. So literally ESPN was like back to back with like, sorry, we cut away from one awesome thing <laughs> to another. And if you have the app, you can watch it all. Uh, so, yeah, now you're like, oh, baseball. <laughs> baseball and yes as we record this we were pre-recording this the home run contest is happening right now so um uh, hopefully otani is sending some moonshots up as as we speak but but yeah and then we have the olympics coming up and in, in a few weeks then then we'll be like really like oh there's sports i didn't even know existed <laughs> you know yes and now i'm an expert you know skateboard so- biathlon Great. <laughs> yeah you you skateboard in a pool and then you shoot a guy um so like i i'm really looking forward to the really olympics shame there can't be an audience for that this time <laughs> yeah. really feed off the, the crowd on that <laughs> event um but no yeah so much going on but yeah we will start by talking nba finals we are at this point three games in and that will still be true by the time this airs um as game four will not be till wednesday night yep and, um, yeah, with everything, I just feel like so much with <laughs> basketball playoffs is one thing happens and everyone assumes like that's the only possible outcome is, you know, what happened in the first quarter of the first game. You're like, yes. how about you let it play out a little bit? <laughs> I like your Cartman voice very much. Yeah. Um, this goes on to, I saw this tweet today um, and I made sure I captured it to, to read it to so wrote for Chappelle's show um, and just a really hilarious guy. And he said, the great thing about post-game playoff analysis is that they make it seem like whoever lost can never win a game again in yes. every sport for as long as I can remember. So yeah, that's the attitude of like, oh yeah, that's never going to happen. And you're like, yeah, um, Giannis was incredible in game three. But they lost the first two games. Like, so Five, now it's 2 points one. each time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now it's just like, oh, yeah, the Suns don't have a chance if Giannis is going to play like that. And yeah, Giannis didn't look 100% in game one. He was a little bit closer in game two, and he looked like a monster in game three. But, you know, like, you go back and forth with these. Yeah, monster. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks and, you know, yep. hooray for uh, some team's going to win that either hasn't won in a long time or hasn't won ever. Um, yep. And, 
Yeah, first two games in Phoenix, yeah, they were definitely with the better team, and they just mm-hmm. the offense was working, and the pick and roll was very efficient, and Milwaukee was sort of struggling to defend that. Um, so yeah, they, they they definitely won 10, 12 point you know, games one and two, and looked like the better team. But like, yeah, they're at home. They're right. coming off a somewhat easier previous um, series. Um, their star player didn't bend his leg in a way that made everyone go, <laughs> oh! Um, so, yeah. They, but, but also, yeah, Milwaukee is now 8-1 and one at home in the playoffs. So, like, right. they play pretty well when they go back to Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, so keep that in mind, which is, um, so when they go back to Phoenix, uh, Phoenix yeah. looked pretty good when they played there. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been entertaining Everyone just wants to get ahead of the narrative, and everyone wants yeah. to like write the Chris Paul story. And it's great that mm-hmm. he reached the finals, and if he, he does end up winning, that will be a, a great thing at the end of a career. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah. And then Giannis, everyone wants to make him, yeah, but he can't win the big one. And it's like, yeah, he can't win game one, but you know. <laughs> like, just, yeah. so, but uh, it's it's definitely entertaining. But you, you also are reminded there are there are parts of this series where you're like, yeah, there these aren't too. You know, when you sort of get into the the, the second tier of the teams, like this, this isn't just great player after great player, yeah, um, curling off the screen. You know? Yeah, and we did get to see some um, some great moments. I don't know if you saw Giannis's block in Game One. Again, he wasn't a hundred percent, but it, it was, um, you know, similar to the LeBron James, you know, like yeah. chase down dunk. Uh, you know, a lot less higher stakes than that one against Andre Iguodala. But, uh, man, it was just incredible. But then I was watching game three, and again, again, uh, a game that the Bucks just had, they were just in control of from from the beginning, mm-hmm. um, from from the opening tip. And uh, But there was this play that Chris Paul had where he just kind of, like, dribbled, kind of, like, got – Giannis was – covering him sort of had Giannis sort of off balance just slightly and so he shifts to this one spot hits a fadeaway you know Chris Paul is maybe 5'11 if we're being you know generous and Giannis is I don't know how tall with uh with his extension and so Chris Paul just has this beautiful fadeaway that goes in and again they're down by like 15 points it was completely meaningless but I was like to make that shot, it just looked so casual in that thing and made it look so easy. And I was like, that was just so incredibly difficult what Chris Paul just pulled off. Uh, yes. And so for me, I, I don't, I'm not sure who I want to win. Um, yeah. But it's got the chance of, yeah, let's see this go six or seven. Let, let, let's get to where we were with that net series where you're like, yeah. how is this game seven and a few minutes left and I still not know who's going to win? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's kind of where I am too. I, I, I don't really have a rooting interest. I, you know, I, um, you know, putting my cards on the table, like I've been watching a lot of uh, Bucks playoffs games. So I, I feel like I have some investment in them in this uh, playoffs, you know, where you just watch a team enough and you're like, well, I, I kind of want to root for them. But yeah, there's that Wake Forest, Chris Paul connection, yeah, you sure. know, that's that's kind of 
hard to um, deny. Chris Paul was wearing a, um, a Winston Salem hat the other uh, the other night in his post game press conference. So that's pretty nice to bring Winston Salem to to the national media. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, I, I I think as we've d- talked about in the past. Rooting for the narrative. Want to want to see really good close games, which we haven't really seen yet in this finals, and just want like, gosh, I have never seen that before. So that's kind of that's what I'm really rooting for. And Giannis does bring that. He does have the ability to like, oh, so you're going to try to guard me close, and I'm going to cut right around you, or you're going right. to give me a little space, and I'm just going to charge at the hoop and uh, make you regret showing up tonight um so that that was on full display in game three yeah uh yeah so we'll see how it plays out um with the rest of the series tom it's not the end of the show it's the beginning and i wanted to ask you about wimbledon right off the top if i could um can thank uh, thanks for not uh burying it in the closing minutes yeah and uh, wimbledon I've, was uh Great to watch. It did get to see a lot of it. The uh, uh, women's final. Uh, often, in, I've talked about it uh, in the women's tennis. You'll sort of get to a final like, who are these two players? How did right. we end up here? Um, but that was uh, not the case. Uh, Ash Barty, um, who we got to see yeah. uh, here in Asheville a couple years back when she played for Australia in the Fed Cup. Um, she was the number one seed. So often you'll sort of like, yeah, they're only number one because of points and they played so many games. So, you know, is this really the best player? But she, she was fantastic. Um, yeah. Was, yeah, just very entertaining. Uh, and uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that was not disappointing and not frustrating as she beat uh, uh, Karolina Pliskova, um, who did come out, was a little nervous, you know, kind of stumbled to start, but, but found her game. And in both cases, the, uh, the champions... Um, were pushed but answered. Yes. Which is nice. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that was great. And then, yeah, Djokovic, I've, I've talked about it before, you know, I, the conversation is, you know, what do you do when the greatest player of a tennis or a sport that you love is just someone that you sort of have a hard time with? But he was incredible again. Um, so now he has won 20 Grand Slam titles, tying him with Federer and Nadal for um, most ever. Yeah, uh, he is three uh, Grand Slams into a calendar Grand Slam. Oh my um, gosh! And also, he very well could win a gold medal, making it this kind of a golden Grand Slam, and so that will put him ahead in terms of all time. And there's all these things that he's very likely to do that no one has done, and he's he's just remarkable. He yeah. played uh, a semifinal match against uh, Shapovalov, who's a rising Canadian player. He's 22. He sort of uh, broke in a few years back with this, you know, and he played great and still lost in straight sets. I mean, he played his best game ever and still lost in straight sets. And then in the final, he plays against Berrettini, this big hitting Italian um, who managed to sort of come back and win in a tiebreaker in her first set. Same thing, played well. And then Djokovic is just, okay, but I'm not going to make any more mistakes. Right. In the third set, he made three unforced errors. Three. like That's amazing. I mean, he's the GOAT. Um, he's yeah. the greatest of all time. And uh, it is funny. I, I've never found anything that I could latch on to him for. I know that you have a maybe stronger dislike for him than I do. I, 
I don't have anything particularly. I um, I root against him mostly because I want somebody else. But right. like it, it feels like like Federer, like he kind of had a, a you know has a has a charming dominance, you mm-hmm. know, and also I. I think his wife and kids are adorable. And so, and, and Federer has a kind of dry sense of humor and Nadal um, also looks like he, um, he will like kill you in a knife fight if he has the opportunity. And then off the court, he's just like the sweetest man in the world. But like when he plays, uh, like I'm fearful. Um, So, you know, there's, there's things in there that I, I like even somebody like Sampras, who I, I didn't love, but at least his game was just so great. Djokovic, I, I've just never been able to latch on to anything. Because, yeah, he just... The most impressive thing I saw during the tournament was there was a lot of players struggling with the grass. It was slippery, hadn't been played mm-hmm. on in a while. He fell at one point, and they replayed it. And he, he even knows how to fall correctly. Yes. So he slips, and he tosses the racket away from his hand because you don't want to land with the racket in your hand because that right. can harsh on the wrist. And as he's falling, he's sort of turning his back and sort of extending his arms up. So at no point does he sort of have to brace himself with his wrists or elbows. And he just Amazing. does this like tumble roll. Um, and it's, people sort of laugh. I was like, if that's another player, they yeah. are calling in the trainer. Yes. They got a bone sticking out of their side of their arm. But he even knows how to fall properly. He's just that great. Um, so hooray. Uh, and uh, we get to watch tennis as part of the Olympics in just a few weeks. Hooray. Well, when it's time to talk about soccer, we, we do talk to a lot of people about soccer. But really, when it's time to really get the, the, the hard edge commentary, of all of the hot takes, we bring in our senior soccer correspondent, Jeff Carnavale. Welcome back, Jeff. Forza Zuri! Yes. We talk to people about soccer, but we listen to Jeff Conorvalli. <laughs> uh, which is true. Um, yeah, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. We, uh, we just wanted to uh, kind of put a button on the, the two big tournaments that just uh, took place. One in Europe, one in uh, South America. And um, yeah, we, we started the show by saying it's, it's, it's already a tough transition used to so much good soccer coming up like every three hours to be like, so not for a few weeks, huh? Okay. <laughs> but we'll uh, work back. So uh, how was your viewing of the uh, Euros? And uh, you were wearing an Italia shirt. Was was that your alliance from the start or? Yeah. Carnivale. Come on. That's, there you that's go. my heritage, my heritage team. So I was with them from the beginning. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think we talked about this maybe last time we were we got together at the end of the premiership season because of COVID and the postponement of and then the like it feels like there was just soccer being played for so long. And I think like many of us, um, really even diehard fans were like had some fatigue. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe there's a tournament in a couple of weeks. Those first of all, those poor guys. Can they get a vacation? Yeah. Right. And then. And then us, we're like, oh, just totally fatigued. I'm, I, I honestly thought, am I even going to bother too much with this? And then <laughs> the, the tournament kicked off. And I mean, all kind. I mean, from good to bad to scary to weird things were happening. It was very engaging. And I think by the end of it, like everybody, the pundits I listened to and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, 
what a great tournament. That was really yeah. engaging. There were some fans in the stands. It mm. felt almost cathartic. Like, you know, this is what we were waiting for. We're waiting for the noise and the passion and everything to be involved. And it turned out to be a, uh, an entertaining tournament um, and something that uh, I think it quality football too. I mean, I think a lot yeah. of us thought, well, these guys are all going to be dead on their feet. I mean, what, what's this going to be like? And it really, uh, the, the countries, the national teams really stepped up and gave us a show. What was your favorite match of the tournament? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, there, there's a tough one to pick. I think the highest quality match, I'll, I'll go with that as my answer, was Spain-Italy. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. The, 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 the technical ability of those two teams, the passing, uh, the vision, uh, then, you know, and also the organization at the back. To, in, uh, it was exciting, as exciting as a one-all yeah. draw. Yes, exactly. Goalkeeping. I mean, those two teams were at a really, really high level. Um, you know, so that te- that was a great game. But then we had the uh, – I can't forget to talk about the quarterfinals. Where yeah. We had two three-all draws with teams coming back down 3-1 in the last 10 minutes to get, a, get level. One of those teams going on and winning on penalties. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was just that day. That was the day of the tournament for sure. That quarterfinal round. Uh, and of course, part of that is Switzerland uh, knocking out uh, knocking out uh, France, who were the, the favorites going in and in uh, Spain hanging on uh, after giving up a couple late goals. And one of the great uh, own goals of the tournament as well. Even the, uh, the Belgium-Italy match was also a super, super game as well. I really enjoyed that. We, we had Germany and France early on. Um, yeah, and then Germany going out against England. Like, game after game, it was just really good stuff. Um, so, uh, wanted to ask, let's zero in on, um, on the final that was played only yesterday. Um uh, what were your takeaways? I know that you were happy about Italy, but I also have the feeling kind of like you do with like the English team. I'm used to all those players from watching the English Premier League. So, it, you know, uh, you know, it, it kind of like those guys are just familiar, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, you do get drawn in different directions because you have yeah. players you love from your club team that could be playing for different countries or like in my case, Jorginho pulling the strings for Italy, but he plays for Chelsea. So when he plays for Chelsea, I hate him, (laughs) but yet he plays playing really well for Italy in this tournament. So um, I think, I think the whole tournament lined up great. Um, uh, Yeah. I'm not, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit that I thought once through, through when we got through the, um, the group stages and we got to the knockout rounds, I thought it was going to be Italy, England. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to see her. I mean, Italy um, was playing really well. They had the tougher draw because they had France and Germany and Belgium and Portugal on that side. And it just opened up for England. They got to play a yeah. lot of games at home. And they were playing well, granted. Um, so I think this was the final. And I, 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 how can I say it? Um, there's a lot of great players out there. Mm. You know, Ronaldo for Portugal. There's a lot of great players for France. These are the two teams that play the most, most cohesive, the, mo- the best team spirit. Um, and, and I think it's great for most fans of any sport to see the teams that are playing the best and the most cohesive 
make it to a final. Yeah. Like they had the best team spirit. Everything was working. It wasn't just because one superstar got hot or something like that. This is like the working man's like, yes, these <laughs> aren't the, they don't have the soup, maybe don't have the greatest superstars, but they, the team was playing so great. So I was really happy to see them both in the final. Um, I got to say on a personal level, y'all know I'm an Arsenal supporter. So the range of emotions in this match, especially <laughs> in the penalty shootout. I mean, everybody's oh biting gosh. their nails, whoever you're rooting for. But then you have your, again, you have your players on your teams, right? And I'm watching this match and, and I'm watching the shootout and I don't, I didn't look to see who was lined up to take. And the penultimate spot kick was by Jorginho. Again, a guy that I'm like, the little hop thing. I'm like, yeah. dude, just, you know what? Fool him, just hit it. And he did the little hop thing and it got saved. And I'm like, oh, geez. You know, I, I kind of glad that nonsense didn't work. But then Bakayo Saka steps yeah. up to take the fifth penalty for England. A 19-year-old kid had a fantastic year for Arsenal. I love him to death. But I'm like, oh, my God, where are the veterans? Yeah. Who let this child take this penalty? I mean, the, the, the absolute fearlessness and ability for him to step up and do it but now but then i just i was i was so gutted for saka that it was hard to jump up and down and celebrate italy winning yeah. the emotions were all over the place Jorginho and then saka and then it, i'm like ah what do i do my brain is exploding <laughs> yeah we try not to spend a lot of time in the show you know questioning performance or coaches decisions but in watching that game uh, it did seem like, gosh, the England coach is waiting a long time to put in his subs. Like, I understand you might want some fresh legs or some more strikers available, but he, he literally put them in at like 118. Yeah. Um, and there even was like a little weird miscommunication with the, the guy with the light board kind of thing. Like, it seemed like there was yeah. a chance and then they just did a throw in and it was like, uh, I, I, why, why did that not just happen? So it was just weird. That, and, and Scott and I watched it together with our friend Josh and it was like, wow, it might turn out that the penalty kick will be their first touch of the game. Um, yeah. I think Rashford mm -hmm. did have one interaction with the ball, but otherwise, uh, yeah. It was, so that, that just seemed for me that uh, the Italy coach was just working the, the substitutions a little bit more frequently. There just seemed to be more of a, mm -hmm. a cohesive plan there. Um, you can't really question the English coach. He got him to the finals. They, they looked great and very easily could have won it in regulation, but that didn't seem to work out for him to – put those guys in so late and then, yeah, it, and to take away some of the, the veterans or just the solid players, the um, yeah. Walker well, or Stones yeah, or otherwise. Yeah, that's what I was yelling. Like, why isn't Kyle Walker taking this penalty kick? Like, I know he well, was substituted out. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, like, but they were like um, uh, basketball players who hadn't touched the ball all night. And it was like, okay, here's the shoot a three-pointer to win the game right now. Right. You know? I mean, right. that's it was, exactly yeah. what's happened. Y'all make some good points. It was really, a, it was a strange decision. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, behind the scenes, they were practicing and this was something they talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you do, I, this is England, right? I, I mean, <laughs> to a large degree, they had exercised a lot of their demons, right? Yeah. They beat Germany for the first time and oh my gosh, I'm not even sure when. I think this is the first time they've ever beat Germany in the knockout stage of a tournament. Right. So they knock, they, they got rid of that. They get past the semifinal because they haven't won a semifinal in ages. They actually won a shootout 
you know, they scored some penalties. <laughs> so there were things they exercised some demons. Um, but then this match, uh, when it came down to it, you know, it, maybe the listeners know, Gareth Southgate in 1996 missed the last penalty to lose the ma- the semifinal match. Um, and so there's that going on. Um, so there was a lot going on. And in the end, they almost just, they just, after all the goodwill and all this, we think we've crossed a bridge here. They just reverted to type and they let, they, they just sat back and let Italy pressure them and pressure them, pressure them. They were going to score. And then, you know, when the shootout came, I don't know. Don, you know, Tom, I know you love goalkeepers. You must like Donnamora. You must okay. love this Italy keeper. He had, he was, his presence was so incredible. And you just, you just had a feeling. And then you saw who was stepping up. You know, Sancho's a young guy, mm-hmm. hadn't played hardly at all. Rashford, he, you know, he's a seasoned professional, but had hardly played at all in the tournament. And, and you're right. You bring him on in the 118th minute and you go, okay. You're going to play a position you never played for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. and then you, you're going to go score a penalty. Um, it, it, again, Southgate's his decisions were great. In general, everybody in England was like, "You're a little too conservative. Let's play a little bit more forward." And I think finally in the, in this final, I uh, I think that was kind of proved a little bit right. He should have made substitutions earlier. And um, expecting those guys to be able to go in and step in and perform uh, with with no time on the pitch was just, I've got to say, just a bad decision. But they're young, and the World Cup is only a year and a half away. That's right. I, I know. <laughs> it's, it's coming right up. Jeff, I did want to ask you, putting Ian Dark aside, because uh, we, we love Sir Ian, uh, what did you think about the announcers? I know sometimes you're just like, <laughs> it, you're grinding your teeth having to listen to some of these guys. How, how did you think it, they did overall? Overall, you know, I was okay with it. Um, okay. I guess, I, guess mo- I mean, Twelman for an American is okay. Yeah. Um, I would say mostly if, if as long as JP Della Camera is not involved, <laughs> I'm going to like at least have an open mind about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. And as you say, the World Cup is happening next calendar year, 2022. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it'll start a, a year from November. So, um, yeah, which will be an entirely different thing in Qatar happening in November. So it's going to be very, very odd. But uh, yeah, we get to watch, um, you know, um, soccer over Thanksgiving next year as well. We are back here on Steve Sack Syndrome talking some soccer, some football. Um, we just um, saw the end of the Euros 2020 that happened in 2021. Uh, one last thing about the final before we move over to some of the other football that was happening uh, is, uh, yeah, there's this great Men in Blazers um, line cliche that they've done now is uh, you you score too early. So England scored uh, two minutes into the match. Uh, you know, our friend Josh um, came over to watch the game and yeah, showed up just a little bit late. And he's like, what? I missed the goal. And we always talk about that. Like 
watching soccer is the worst because you run away to put the clothes in the dryer. You come back and two two goals happen. And you're like, I, I can't believe it. I've been watching the entire thing. But yeah, scoring too early is a thing with men in blazers where it just changes the complexion of the game. And yeah, might put um, one of the teams um, into more of a shell, make them more aggressive. What do you think about that, uh, Jeff? Is Do you think it's valid? Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, you know, it, you come up with it, you know, you obviously both managers have to come up with a game plan and neither one of them's game plan included scoring in the second minute, you know? Um, so England, to their credit, England did keep a lot of, they dominated for the first 20, 25 minutes, yeah. even after the goal. They did. Uh, that's the, that, that first 15, 20 minutes is the worst I've seen Italy play the whole tournament. They were, they were disorganized. There were space everywhere. And, 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 you know, Good on them for England really um, taking advantage of that. Um, but you're right. Once Italy started coming back into the game, it was a little bit balanced towards the end of the second half. So, you know, the first half was pretty, you know, that last 10 minutes of the first half, maybe Italy had a little bit better, but you wouldn't have said. But the thing is, at the end of the first half, England had one shot on goal. Yeah. They scored it, but they only had one shot. Wow. And then the second half, obviously, you know, Italy dominated uh, and that yeah. – and, and it does happen a lot. You see this a lot. A team is dominating possession, starting to get dangerous. And the other team with the lead just starts slowly going back further and further and further into that defensive shell until they're not even really playing football anymore. You know, yeah. they're doing the park on the bus thing. Even if they didn't intend that, that's kind of what happens. And then I think Tom, again, made a good point that Southgate maybe could have made some changes earlier to shift that momentum bring in some more attacking players. Mason Mount was not having a great game. So bringing in Grealish, it, you know, Saka, poor guy, not only didn't, didn't even play great when he came on, he had been really good starting, um, creating spaces. And I got to say, I mean, I love Chiellini and Benucci. Like those get the, the, the heart of the Italian defense. Those guys seemingly been around forever. The grizzled warriors. I could kiss them on the face. They're <laughs> awesome. But, you know, they're not super fast. They're not speedy guys. Yeah. So having another fast player kind of attacking into those channels maybe would have been better. And, and, and waiting too long, it, Scott, they gave it who, up. Who would that player be, by chance? Phil. Would that be Phil? Phil, Phil Foden? <laughs> Phil wasn't available. He hurt his foot. Poor oh, is that right? The That's final. what happened. So he wasn't available for the oh. final. So I think Saka should have started because he had earned that. I think in the games before, but Phil wasn't available. Well, because I was literally yelling that the whole game um, yeah. as, as a big Man City fan, and <laughs> I thought he was great. And because yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, when he came in, I know he didn't score the goal in the semifinal, but he was in in that overtime period, and there was just a lot of motion. Um, which brings yeah. me to my uh, last point on this. I thought the officiating actually played a big part in the game. Mm. That he early on was kind of like did the little like get up gesture um, <laughs> yeah. when you know. Uh, whether it was Sterling or otherwise, kind of did a maybe. I was like, nope, that, you know, because people were complaining about that at the tail end of the, yeah. the England win. I mean, I, I watched Sterling a lot. You know, I see him do that, try to get the foul and not do enough to get it often. I didn't mind it in the, that overtime call, but I just thought he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be calling stuff where you just get tapped and then spring forward. Um, right. So it ended up being a, a fairly clean game that way. There, there wasn't a lot of flopping or uh, going crazy that, you know, I've been shot in the leg. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I, I think ended up ha helping Italy 
because um, you know Harry Kane or Sterling or other ways didn't didn't kind of pick up a, a cheap foul along the way. Yeah, agreed. I you know after watching that just abysmal officiating year in the Premier League where they got it wrong yeah. so much and VAR was terrible. The officiating in this this tournament was fantastic. I think it was prop, prop, part of the reason why it was such a good tournament because that was happening. Uh, I, I do find the irony of the English fans getting all up in arms talking about how Italy's wasting time in their previous matches and they're going to flop and everything when really Sterling and Kane are the worst two of yeah. the whole group. So that irony, you know, that whole that whole thing is kind of funny. Um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. And I think... Um, when the uh, the officiating is in the background, you enjoy the match quite a bit more. Um, what's the name of the veteran defenseman for Italy who's so hilarious to watch? Chiellini. Yeah, I had this realization that um, that Chiellini he looks like he's like 49 years old and then i was wondering i was like you know he could just be 25 but he's just in nightclubs every night you know (laughs) and he's like a a heavy smoker or something and he's just like looks like he's 49 (laughs) years old so um, i'm really glad that that guy won the 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 euros i think he's 36 but he acts like he's 16 he's like so joyous yeah and playing he's like and you know I don't know. Go ahead. If you're listening, when we're done, get on YouTube and watch the coin toss. Oh yeah. Would be when Spain and Italy went to the, to, to shoot out, watch the coin toss and how Chiellini behaves with the Jordi Alba, the captain of Spain. It's, it's priceless. It was hilarious. Yeah. I mentioned it at the time when we're watching the game because he was just razzing him and, <laughs> and Jordi Alba was like, I'm here to play, man. Like, <laughs> I know we, I know, we know, know each other elsewise, but like now is not the uh, time. Yeah. He's it like, oh, got something on your shirt? What? Ow. Yeah. 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 Um, it was beautiful gamesmanship. It was. Well, we'll hop over. Yeah, a, a game that was not free of dives and things uh, or a tournament. And that's a Copa America, which did end up with uh, Argentina and Brazil playing in the final with uh, uh, Messi getting some level of redemption. He is, he is not been able to succeed for his uh, international team uh, or uh, uh, country. Um, you know, he's won many, many uh, club titles. So I'm sure a, a Copa America is not a World Cup, but still um, Argentina came out on top finally in something. Yeah. So the final of that, uh, that was Saturday night. I, I didn't watch the entire game, but I, I caught it with about 70 minutes left. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot that I haven't been watching this entire game because um, it was just they were both teams were just going for it. And Brazil, especially just trying to uh, to get that equalizer. And it was as if like it was a hockey game and they had pulled the, the goalie. Like it, everybody was just going crazy, which then led for, um, you know, chances for Argentina at the other end with great saves by uh, the Brazilian goaltender. So it was just really dramatic. Neymar's trying to dive and the ref isn't having any of it. So, um, you know, it was just a lot. But then after the game, you could just see Brazil really wanted that and Argentina. uh, And so they were crushed and Argentina was so happy, none more so than Messi. I mean, he was just overjoyed in that moment so i mean as as tom said jeff it wasn't it, it's not a world cup but 
it is something that that Messi can say, like, I did bring home something for my national team. Right, right. And it is really considered a major, major trophy, just like the Euros. It's a, every four years, it's a major trophy. It is your region's biggest prize. And I got to say, you know, Messi's been, you know, in my opinion, the best player in the world. If in anybody's opinion, the best two or three pair layers in the world for a long time and uh, really a heavy burden on his shoulders. If anybody's watched, uh, you know, that they're Argentina play in a World Cup or a Copa America, you can just see how much they the team has tended to rely on him. Yeah. And, you know, like they're like, oh, that guy's open, but let me pass, pass it to Messi. And, you know, there's just such a burden on him. So I'm really happy. I mean, he's won everything in the world for, with Barcelona. But I, I really was happy to see that he won a, a major trophy for, for his country. Um, and it was interesting, too, that there was a lot – before the match, there were there was some uh, some discussions about – there was a bunch of Brazilian fans who were, who were like, eh, we've won a lot. I'd like to see Messi actually win a trophy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Neymar getting a little – you know, the Brazilian players getting a little upset about that. But that's how beloved he is and how respected yeah. he is, that there's players that are like, and, and people in other countries are like, man, this guy deserves this. And, and I was happy for him, I got to say. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so then we've got um, a little bit of soccer um, coming up in just a couple of weeks in the Olympics. Um, what are you going to be looking for most in terms of soccer at the Olympics, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to be focusing mostly on the women's game in the Olympics yeah. because, you know, the men, you know, the women do have a World Cup as, as well, but um, the, Olympics, the Olympics is more of a like a youth tournament for the men's side of the game. Mm. Uh, so this is really a showcase for the women. Um, only 12 teams competing for the title. Uh, and interestingly enough, I mean, if you're looking at the world rankings, uh, Germany defending champions in the Olympics didn't make it through qualifying. France, another top five team, isn't there. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you talk about the group of death. Um, yes. The U.S. has got Sweden, the fifth best team in the world, Australia, the ninth best team in the world, and New Zealand, who's 22. Oh, so, wow. I mean, U.S. is number one, but it, they got drawn kind of tough. Uh, whereas, you know, you got Brazil and the Netherlands and another group with 104th-ranked Zambia. Talk about an upset getting to the tournament. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's going to be your underdogs. Um, and then there's going to be your, you know, your, your favorites like the Netherlands and the U.S. and Brazil and Canada and Japan uh, really battling it up for the title. So I, I'm, I'm definitely going to pay way, way more attention to the women's game. Carly Lloyd for the U.S., like ageless. The, the, she just she is a fantastic footballer, great player, and she just is fit and driven as ever. And she, she's not playing like she's aging. She's she's fantastic. So she's going to be kind of leading that U.S. team uh, as the favorites in this tournament. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Love the Olympics, but do love seeing soccer on the Olympics as well. And getting to see the U.S. women's national team on, on the big stage is always fun. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. If I can live one little last funny little nugget about yeah. Great Britain, there's obviously more than one country in Great Britain. So they had an agreement in the qualifying that if one of the British teams made it, then the, then the other, they would all play together. 
and Scotland and England both actually had qualified to play in the tournament, oh. but because they had this agreement, they joined teams and they're Great Britain instead. Really? For the Olympics? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow. So fascinating little quirk in, in the qualifying for the women's Very game. Very interesting. Oh, that'll be, that'll be cool. Jeff, that's why we bring you on for the Nuggets. <laughs> Um, and let's hope if they play, they score a goal, but not too soon. So, uh, uh, yeah, we are here. We uh, checked in with our uh, intern, Jerry, who is just uh, waiting for training camp. He is he's a football guy. There was no football this week. So sports uh, is only uh, barely reading on his meter. <laughs> so, Jerry, like when the Hall of Fame game like starts off like the first preseason game are you like that's it it's football season now this is all i really care about on the edge of my seat i'm waiting for it i can't wait for preseason to start it's kind of the only sports i watch (laughs) uh jerry were you affected at all to hear that uh the uh, uh xfl pushed off for another year i haven't really watched the xfl i've really gotten the football just this year but it's kind of an interesting game. I watched a few highlights from it right. back when it was. But it just shows this. It's really hard to go up against the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, somehow each time people always go, oh, wait, can we have another year? Can we try yeah. again later? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jerry, don't feel bad. I barely know that the XFL was trying to come back. So and I <laughs> count myself as a pretty big sports fan. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I will give a shout out. There is a Twitter account at a website called dead football leagues um and so they cover the usfl the world football league from the 70s also arena football league uh and from the 80s and 90s so they always have like clips or like uniforms or cool cool logos and everything and i was like has there been a website that's ever been more built for me than the dead football league website? (laughs) So, uh, so I I would recommend that to anybody. We got to get those guys on the show. We do. We do. A few other things going on this week, sort of a, doesn't really matter, but wow. Um, In exhibition basketball, as we get Mm -hmm. ready for the Olympics, um, the U S team lost to Nigeria. Yeah. 90, 87, maybe. Um, so, uh, wow. Um, yeah. so again, what, what does it mean? Nothing. And, you know, coach Greg Popovich is, I'm glad it happened. Now we, you know, we, we got our wake up call, all that kind of stuff. But, um, that is the thing I'm just saying, like, I don't, you know, all the things I say about LeBron, LeBron doesn't lose an exhibition game. <laughs> yeah, no, and, he doesn't. Like, yeah. There's just certain players like they don't care what it is. They're not losing. So that is one thing is I'm stirring up controversy about, about kind of, you know, Kevin Durant, like, played so great, but he did lose that game seven. And right. then his first, next thing out, he loses to Nigeria in an exhibition game. There yeah. are many other players involved, but I'm just saying there are just certain players who are like, what about that crazy competitive will that makes you, like, want to beat the, you know, backstage attendant in the quarters game against the wall, you know, from the last dance? Um it might not make them the best people to, uh, you know, share a condo with, but uh, there's <laughs> something about I never want to lose that is, is not showing up in enough of these modern players. Yeah, and uh, I somebody sent me something about the dream team um, from the '92 Olympics, and 
um, you know, the, somebody was saying, well, they're the best basketball team ever. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I was like, they're probably the best sports team that's ever been assembled, you know, like in terms of like the, the level of talent on that team and compared to everybody else they were playing against mm-hmm. in that tournament. It, it's just still pretty incredible. And in that time. All right. Uh, anything else? I'm um, really going to spend, take a few minutes to talk about, uh, UFC. Okay. Um, <laughs> which was, they were gearing up the, you know, Conor McGregor was oh, yeah, have his yeah. third fight against this guy. And I was like, Oh my God, are they going to sort of push this down our throat? Like this guy hasn't won in a year, you know, he's yeah. very entertaining, but like he's, um, but no, they actually did it right. They sort of waited till the week of the fight and about mm-hmm. Tuesday, also, and it started showing up in all the feeds and everything. And I was like, that makes sense. I would not, haven't been hearing about it for a week. And I actually thought that they, they did sufficient coverage. You know, mm-hmm. they, they went crazy three days out and like, I'm a dangerous man. And blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying there's, uh, there is a flaw in your sport where now a couple times now, someone has broken their leg by I know. just kicking too hard or step, you know, like, so until you can figure out a way that someone's leg just doesn't break, like, halfway through the first round and be like, sorry, sorry, his leg broke. Yeah. So, but yeah, the rematch number four, like, no, like <laughs> find out a way to play this sport where someone doesn't break their leg in the first round and everyone goes, ooh. So I, I don't know what they can do, but I applaud their uh, discipline on not over promoting a fight that you're like, yeah, this this is this is a rematch of a fight he never should have lost in the first place. Um, but ooh, the the leg breaking in UFC is just that's uncomfortable. It, it is. There's some weird cognitive dissonance with um, with UFC because like we there's all the kind of hand wringing about um, about football and about boxing. You know, rightly so about you know concussions and CTE with those sports. But then it's like. USC is just exploding and it's gigantic and everyone's like, isn't this a fun sport? And you're like, wait, I thought we were trying to not do this. You know, like there's a lot of tis- tisking about boxing, but this is even more violent. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, all those things and all those things. Um, so that's where we're at. But um, I know it's like, oh, baseball, but I, I, I'm curious. It, it is the all-star stretch right now with the home number yeah. derby. That is something that's fine to watch in replay we can sort of fast forward and then yeah i'll i'll, I'll catch some of the game tomorrow just yeah. to see otani start and you know tatis jr and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they, they got enough stars to make me want to watch thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week